He was the grandson of America's pastor, Dr. Billy Graham. He was a best-selling author and a megachurch pastor until it all came crashing down. Hear the raw and unflinching message about desperation and deliverance from Tulian Chavidjan, the grandson of Dr. Billy Graham. He reveals his moral failure and fall from grace. His story will inspire you. This Sunday, May 19th at Life Austin, 8901 Highway 71 at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, go to life.family. They're live, local, and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda. 503, good afternoon. Melinda is off today and tomorrow. She'll be back on Wednesday. Kenny Rollmeyer is here. We're being uh, assisted by Tiger as the producer. Thank you for joining us. One of the stories we're discussing right now is a new report. The University of Michigan experts at their children's hospital have reviewed prescription data from all over America, and they say they're highly alarmed by the rapid increase in prescriptions for antidepressants for our girls in the United States, 12 to 17-year-old girls. They're seeing a shocking and alarming increase in the number of antidepressant prescriptions being sent out for girls in that age range. They're not seeing the same thing among boys who are 12 to 17. And we're getting your thoughts on it. What are the causes? What are the implications? How do we correct that? 512-836-0590. And you know, Mark, with the lack of mental health professionals, or maybe some of these girls don't have access to, to proper therapists and that, I mean, what are their prospects of starting on this kind of medication at such a young age? And then as the years go by... You know, how long are they on this stuff, and what kind of impact or effect does that have on them? Mm-hmm. As they, That's as they a key get question, yes. If they start at 12. Yeah. And just, oh my goodness, there's years ahead of them. You know, it's a long life ahead of them. So uh, we're just getting your thoughts on it. Why is it happening? What is the, the cause? What do we do to turn this around? Uh, it does not give raw numbers it gives percentages here i like to see numbers as well kenny for example are we talking about two million girls 12 to 17 are now on antidepressants or are we talking about a thousand i think that's important information but unfortunately it's not in this story yeah sure we need a baseline to know where we're starting from but either way it's it's not good and boy when you see that the rates are doubling there again, don't know where our starting point is, but that's just, that's beyond troubling. Also today, the United States Supreme Court heard four hours of arguments on a Texas law and a Florida law. Lawmakers in these two states said, we're very, very concerned with social media platforms that are throttling back the content of conservatives primarily mm-hmm. based on their conservative political viewpoint. So both states passed laws back around 21, 20, right in that range. And those laws were challenged by the social media companies and others. And it has made its way to the United States Supreme Court today, where they went back and forth for four hours with all kinds of questions. And uh, so far, Kenny, at least from the news media who listened to all of it, the media are not able to predict which way the court members might rule on this. Well, it was, yeah, I wish we'd have had more time really to listen in. It, it's fascinating. It's such a complicated case. And 
good. It seems to me they're going to need all the time and then some. The, a ruling expected right this summer, oral arguments today. It's just the 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 internet is is so vast and, and all the information out there, and then you put artificial intelligence on top of that. So the implications of where all this stuff could go, the businesses are uh, meaning the tech companies. They're trying to do, they're saying, hey, we've got the right to regulate and moderate content and so forth. And yet, states like Texas, California, when they see the, the conservatives are the ones being censored, hey, wait a minute, no, you you got to draw the line someplace. How, how are you making your decisions on what you're regulating, what you're moderating? The Texas law said you cannot ban anyone based on their political viewpoint. You also have to uh, publicly disclose your curation techniques we want a report on the content you have removed on a regular basis. And then how you have to create a complaint system for users. Yeah. And uh, we want users to be able to sue you if they can demonstrate that you are blocking their content based on their political viewpoint. Right. And so some visibility or some transparency, the algorithms or the process, how is it you're arriving at these decisions as to what content you're moderating, what content you're taking down, and what you're allowing uh, to be out there. It's, it, it's a fascinating conversation, and, and the implications of whatever they decide are far-reaching here, for sure. Here's Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody, who was at the U.S. Supreme Court today. These platforms, which have historically said, come here, you have free speech, let's, let's have open discourse mm -hmm. and dialogue and share information, they've flipped the script now, and they say, well, they have the free speech rights to censor, deplatform, shadow ban Americans. Here's a little sample of some of the comments by members of the Supreme Court. This is Justice Amy Coney Barrett this morning in the arguments. Some say that, for example, TikTok might have boosted pro-Palestinian speech and reduced, reduced pro-Israel speech. That's a viewpoint, right? And if you have an algorithm do it, is that not speech? Justice Samuel Alito at the hearing this morning. I want to just ask you this. If somebody in 1917 was prosecuted and thrown in jail for opposing... U.S. participation in World War One was that content moderation? So if the government's doing it, then content moderation might be a euphemism for censorship. That was Paul Clement, the attorney for the social media platforms. Some legal experts say uh, there are a wide range of possibilities for the court. They could throw out both of these laws. They could uphold them. They could uphold only portions of the laws. They could send both of them back to lower courts mm -hmm. for more arguments and then say, uh, bring them back before us after they have fully gone through all of the appeals court rounds. And I would have to guess, Mark, they're going to they're gonna do something along those lines as far as either sending it back or make some kind of very narrow ruling here. It's just the the potential of where this could go and... And the implications, again, you're just going to have a free-for-all on social media, just a, just an all-out free-for-all with no, with no guidelines or no limits whatsoever. And yet, here I am, I'm saying that, but I, I do not want the government to get more involved, to be more empowered to control speech. That, at the federal, the state level, none of that sounds good to me. Well, a lot of people would say these two states are standing up for the free speech rights of the users. For those that have been taken down yes. yeah, or censored. You're right. And therein lies the challenge of it's just the gray area there is uh, 
there's a lot of it there to deal with. 512-836-0590 to join the discussion. It's 511 at News Radio KLBJ. 515 at KLBJ. It's Mark and Kenny with you. Melinda's on vacation today and tomorrow. She'll be back on Wednesday. Cohen is with us from North Austin. Cohen, good afternoon. How are you doing? Hello, gentlemen. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Um, Welcome aboard. Thank you. I just wanted to chime in on the uh, on on the tech companies and banning, you know, uh, people or choosing not to do business with them. And I think we got to, you know, respect the rights of business owners. And um, it's kind of it worries me because, you know, it's kind of like the government is all of a sudden annexing, say, X or Facebook, annexing them into like public park status where, okay, anybody can say whatever they want and be there. And the fact of the matter is, they're not public spaces. They're private businesses. And, you know, if they want to do business, you know, if Mark and I, you know, if we wanted to start a, uh, a website only for uh, pet owners and we said, well, you got to be a, you got to be a, you got to own a pet if you want to be a member, um, you know, yeah, we can pick and choose who we want to do business with, I, I would feel. Do you see any merit in the argument that Texas was making when they passed this law that they're concerned that, People are losing their ability to express their political views because those are conservative views? I, I think there's plenty of uh, venues and platforms for us to, to have those discussions, um, you know. Um, and so, you know, if they Facebook, if I, if, I, if I don't like Joe Biden and I say it on Facebook, well, if they want to ban me, fine. But same thing, if I'm over on Truth Social and I say bad things about Donald Trump and then, or, or disparage even, even Truth Social when they were started, one of their key conditions was, you know, hey, we can kick you off of this platform if you disparage this platform. And so, you know, it just kind of boils down to who is the protected class and, you know, I'm, it, it's opening up a can of worms right now. You know, rightfully, I, can, I, I can't choose to not do business with you based on, you know, your skin color um, and certain things like that. Those are protected classes. And I'm not sure we want as a society to make politics a protected class. Just say, well, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat, so you got to do business with me. Yeah, I understand. No, I, no I, maybe not. We, you know, we were just talking about the ills of, of social media for these young girls. And so what can you imagine if, if these websites are obliged to just let anything go? I recognize there's personal responsibility. I'm not on Facebook or any of that stuff, so I get that. But if the websites are compelled yeah. to just let anything go, and you'd think at some point these companies are going to say, you know, I guess we're just not going to police anything because... If we did, we'd potentially be setting ourselves up for all sorts of litigation or, or lawsuits. If we tried to moderate yeah. content here or there, we'd have to have the rationale and, and so forth. And could we defend that in the, in the courts? It's just, again, it's the wild, wild yeah. west, it seems to me. It is. It is. And, yeah, I, I do worry about the government getting too involved and, and saying that, okay, proclaiming that these that any website or an app is a public place. I'm not sure if I was want to open up a website, I would want to make that the case. You know, I, it feels like I, it's my private property. And even Walmart, if I go in there and I'm, I'm telling everybody, you know, for three hours in the morning, hey, listen to the Todd and Don show. It's a great show. It's a, you know, or, or Todd and Alice. 
um, they got the right to, to kick me out and say, well, you can't say that in here. We'd like you to leave. And, and they've got that right. And, you know, whether it's political or not, um, you know, I think businesses have that right. Cohen, thank you, sir. You have a good afternoon. We appreciate it. 512-836-0590. We're also tracking that horrible story out of Georgia where police say the illegal alien from Venezuela murdered the aspiring nurse right there on the campus as she was going out for a jog last Thursday morning. Breitbart.com has a summary of the journey by this Venezuelan across the U.S. border and his brother's journey. His brother also crossed illegally. He's from Venezuela. And, Kenny, it's just it's illustrating the disaster that has unfolded across America as a result of Biden's catch-and-release policy. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the one accused of capital murder of the nurse crossed the border in El Paso and was released and went to New York City. He was arrested there and charged with sexual assault on a child in New York City, Mm -hmm. was released, bonded out, before ICE could put a hold on him via a detainer. And he left New York City. He ended up in Athens, Georgia, where his brother was located. His brother also crossed illegally and was charged with assaulting a Border Patrol officer when he crossed, but was still released into the United States and ended up in Athens, Georgia, with false documents He was arrested for drunk driving, resisting arrest, shoplifting, and other crimes in Athens, Georgia. Uh, But still managed to use those documents to get a job at the University of Georgia right there in Athens. And how many of these kinds of stories, Mark, have we not even heard yet? We've, We've heard about some arrests of some of these Venezuelan gangs in Chicago, New York City, and elsewhere. But, again, the tip of the iceberg is this, it's it's just maddening. To hear that somebody, you mentioned this off air, attacking a border patrol agent and we let him go under any circumstances after such an egregious thing to do as they've come illegally into our country. Or he's in custody in New York City, charged with assaulting a, a child. And bonds out. And they think, okay, we'll let him go without yeah. letting ICE come and get the guy and deport him. Wow. It's insane. It is. It's deadly. It's costing people their lives. All of that. Welby yeah. is in San Marcos, 521 with Mark and Kenny. Welby, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing fine. Yes. Uh, I just want to have a comment about uh, the uh, uh, Supreme Court and uh, social uh, social media platforms and uh, controlling that. You know, uh, social media is, is uh, well, let's say the Internet has become kind of a public utility for us, and social media is one of our accesses there. Uh, so, you know, you have, you have water, you have a water bill, gas bill, electricity bill, and all that. Uh, and when these social media platforms uh, are, you know, have, you have your account tied into several things. You have your Facebook account, you sign into something else, and uh, it, uh, you use that, that, that account to sign on to other things. That, Google, what have you. Um, and you're taking that access away from certain individuals limits their access to those other other uh, 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 other utilities, I guess. If you, wanna you know, I understand where you're coming from, but to me, that's one of the complicating factors in, in this debate. If you want to say utility is, is a common carrier, right? That's some of the language they use. Right. 
Right. Business, these tech companies are not like common carriers. A utility, a water company, whatever, they're not engaged in editorial or expressive activity of any kind. The internet and these tech platforms are different than that. So you see what I mean? There is a distinction in that common carrier language or that common carrier analogy. And I think that's one right, of the yeah, complications I, I, of this. It's, it's a new uh, a new element that we never dealt with before. That, and right now, that's the closest thing we can compare it to um, until we come up with a way of uh, you know, regulating, well, regulating or, or, or you know, lip, not allowing it to limit our ability to communicate and uh, you know interact with the rest of the, the internet and the world. You know. Do you do you uh, are you in favor of the Texas law, Welby? Uh, well, so, from what I've heard so far, yes. Okay. Uh, appreciate it, sir. Thank you. You have a good one. 512-836-0590 to join the discussion. Let's go to Tom in Pflugerville. He has some thoughts on that case in Georgia where police say the illegal immigrant from Venezuela murdered the aspiring nurse who was out for a run last Thursday on campus. Tom, welcome. How are you this afternoon, Tom? I'm doing great. Thanks for your show. Um, I think my comment is that both of these things are related, and they're related to abuse of the parties that are in power. Um, our border wouldn't be closed, wouldn't be open like this, and we wouldn't be dealing with this. And the second abuse of power is what they did to censor and hide the uh, quote-unquote Russian collusion hoax that we actually know is Ukrainian, and that we know where all that came from now. And so our government was doing both of these things, and that's why these are issues. The sad thing is that I also believe that when you talk about these forums, it's almost like press as well. And so if you don't have the ability to express yourself or to call out when somebody makes some statement, then when we talk about these things like misinformation, disinformation, who's in charge of that? And then they're going to start trying to use AI to do the same thing. Well, that's that's what I was uh, the point I was making earlier is with the advent of artificial intelligence now. Oh, my gosh. The capabilities from from that technology and those products, we're just beginning to see all the stuff that can that can come from that. You mean in terms of being able to block content based on political viewpoint? Well, or just just the uh, just the the originators of these AI uh, programs that where you know pedophilia is okay, or Elon Musk is like Hitler. I mean, some of these things that, that is out there, these days say, wait a minute, where does that come from? Well, it comes from the people writing the programs. How are we going to stop that? But it could even involve things like the content of we don't want people to know about this issue, so therefore we're going to shut you down so you can't even talk about it. And so the rest of the country is not aware of what's really going on because nobody's able to speak. Right. And so then it's back to, okay, well, it's just going to be an online free-for-all, and there's going to be so much garbage and everything else that goes along with it, and it's up to you, the viewer or the consumer of the content, to, to make those determinations of what's real and what's not, what you're going to believe and what you don't. And it's crazy. But if they have the ability to do this for political things, then take that away, and they certainly should have the ability to stop pedophiles from communicating on there. They should be able to start working on algorithms to to stop censorship of things so they you know and, and do the censorship that is legal 
you know, if it's an illegal activity, there should be a way that they can do that. Right. But or uh, actually a way that you can help the police to, to locate these people. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but then you begin to say, well, you have people that can create algorithms to, to prevent this. Yeah, but what about the people creating the algorithms? Who's, who's moderating and, and keeping track of what they're doing? To make uh, sure Tom, to- thank you. Have a good afternoon. 512-836-0590-527 now. News headlines are next on KLBJ. And now back to the Mark and Melinda show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. 533 Tigers here producing. Kenny is filling in today and tomorrow for Melinda. She'll return on Wednesday. The Associated Press is getting some criticism for one of its stories it distributed nationwide this weekend about that murder of the aspiring nurse at the University of Georgia. AP's under fire because the story failed to mention the immigration status of the murder suspect or the fact that he had been let out of jail in New York City one month ago after being charged with a crime against a child in New York City. Right. Uh, AP completely positioned this story as a story of, look at the danger that young women face when they're out jogging. And it really totally avoids the fact this guy was in the country illegally. Right. It's really malpractice on the part of the Associated Press to uh, to bury the story, to bury the headline. And and the likes of CNN, I'm just going to pile on here, found a story that they, here was their quote, little evidence. That was their words, little evidence that connects this crime to our immigration problems. How How absurd is that? That's... That's just, that's totally misleading. That's just totally inaccurate. Yeah, it, it really is, Kenny. And the AP story is distributed to newspapers, TV stations, radio stations all over America. CNN, you see it in airports all over the country. I mean, who knows who's still, I guess, I mean, they don't have a whole lot of viewership, but I think you see a lot of CNN still on in the airports. And the a lot of these outlets will take an AP story and uh, just post it on their website where they'll read it on the air. Right. They don't add anything to it. And that's the impression that some Americans get about a story like this. Well, that's it. So many people are just skimming the headlines. And with something like that, um, that's just, uh, again, that's just malpractice on the part of the the media outlet. And I don't know what's going to, I don't know what's going to stop this sort of thing, Mark, because uh, they're determined they've got an agenda and they're going to bury these kinds of stories. The agenda being, in your mind, how, how would you characterize the agenda well, at the Associated to, Press? They don't want to further the narrative that illegals are causing problems in our country, and certainly of, of this kind of heinous nature. They, mm-hmm. they just don't want to go there. They don't even want you to think that that's happening. Yeah, I think you're right with that characterization. You can weigh in with your thoughts, 512-836-0590. Call or text to join the conversation. Scott is in North Austin. He has some comments on the U.S. Supreme Court hearing today. They were hearing arguments regarding a Texas law and a Florida law on social media platforms. Scott, welcome. How are you this afternoon, Scott? I'm doing okay. How are you guys? Very well, Scott. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm taking a medication. It's ruining my voice, but, uh, this, back in the 90s, they, the Congress passed a law that allowed these social media companies to exist, meaning that 
if they act as an open forum where anybody can speak, then they're immune from liability for whatever anybody publishes. So if I slander you, Mark, you can sue me, but you can't sue the, the social media company because they're just letting you letting me say my piece. But now they're saying, well, we want to be able to moderate what people say and cut people off because we simply disagree with them. Well, that's going against what the law that created them or allowed them to, to flourish said. And so really the social media companies want it both ways. They want to be able to stifle conservative or liberal or other voices, but while still maintaining the protection of li- from liability. And they really shouldn't be able to have it both ways. What do you think is uh, the proper way to handle this, Scott? Did Does Texas have it right, or does Florida have it right with their laws? I think that the way to handle it for the Supreme Court is to say you can have it one way or you can have it the other way. If you were going to have the protection from liability and be a, uh, what you claim to be, then you have to allow conservatives and liberals, people you agree with and disagree with, to speak as long as they're not inciting violence, stalking people, being really obscene or other things like that. But if they're willing to take on the responsibility of being sued for libel if someone publishes something on their paper, just like anybody else, they should, uh, if they want to be able to regulate other people's points of view, then they should give up their protections under the law and be like every other publisher. Have you been following the uh, separate legal case where Missouri and other states found evidence that uh, certain agencies in the federal government were pressuring social media platforms to take down or throttle back distribution of certain comment, uh, content that the federal government objected to? Yes, I have, and that's another point, that if you're going to work with the government, then you can't stifle anybody's speech. That's a First Amendment issue. Kenny, were you going to make a point? I, just, I think that Missouri case, I think that's coming up very soon before the Supreme Court, maybe even later this week. I'm not 100% sure about that. And I think, Scott, to your point, the uh, how the, the tech companies want it both ways, they're falling back on that Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. That's been their shield for just all this time over the years, right? Yes, that's correct. If they want to say that we want to stop anti-COVID or anti-vax or Republicans or whatever from speaking, then they have to give up the protections of Section 230. Right. They're not held liable for any of that content as it stands right now. Scott, thanks so much. You have a good afternoon and a good evening. 512-836-0590. You can weigh in with your thoughts to join the discussion on CNN. Former Obama strategist David Axelrod says he is worried about the polling numbers that show President Biden losing support among black voters. Here is David Axelrod with more of his thoughts. I I think it should. Look, he's polling, uh, you know, 20, 21 percent among uh, African-American voters here. Biden uh, got 88 percent of that vote uh, back in 2020. And this is going to be a marginal race. So uh, this is a concern. And yes, uh, black men and particularly younger black men are the ones that are drifting away. Some may vote for Trump. Some may not vote at all. And uh, this, this has to be a concern uh, for the Biden campaign. Uh, Trump knows that. And, and I, by the way, I think it may impact on his vice presidential 
uh, choice. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about Tim Scott as a yeah. vice presidential candidate. I think if he picks Tim Scott, it's partly because he recognizes this would be helpful in kind of sealing in uh, that portion of the African-American vote that he now has. That's David Axelrod, former top Obama strategist on CNN. He started off talking about how Trump is gaining momentum among black voters. And uh, then he talked about his concerns that Biden is losing support in that key Democratic demographic. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the things that kind of sparked this conversation over the weekend, Trump was at one of his big rallies there in South Carolina and said black population, those are his words, could respond to him, relate to him because of his mugshot and his criminal charges. And then, of course, the media just glommed onto that. And yet Trump got around 12 percent of the African-American vote back in 2020. As you heard Axelrod say, he's polling now 19, 20, 21 percent, depending on which polls you look like. That's a significant increase in a relatively short amount of time. And that key demographic that the Democrats have relied on just forever. The anecdotal comments that I see from black voters uh, say, I had more money in my pocket under Trump. I was better off personally, financially under Trump. Yeah. And that's why I'm either going to vote for Trump or leaning in that direction now. Economically speaking, there again, immigration and the economy, almost numbers one and two on almost any polls you take is top of mind for voters. 512-836-0590-541 now, News Radio, KLBJ. They're live, local, and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda. Melinda's back on Wednesday. Kenny's here. Tiger is producing. We hope you're having an excellent afternoon. And if you would like to get registered right now to win a family four-pack of passes for all of the great attractions at Moody Gardens in Galveston, text the word FAMILY to 512-836-0590. Attractions include the Aquarium, Rainforest Pyramids, 3D and 4D theaters, and so much more. And we're going to have a winner every day here on the show this week, Kenny. Wow. So text the word FAMILY to 512-836-0590 right now to get registered. You could be a winner today. We'll have a winner every day. And then, Kenny... We have one lucky listener who wins the grand prize package, which is all of the passes plus an overnight stay and golf at Moody Gardens in Galveston. (laughs) Well, I will tell you, our texting platform is exploding right now. That's a really cool place. Yeah, for sure. uh, These packages are worth a lot. I mean, this is a great package for you and your family. Yeah, family four-pack. That's great. Uh, again, it's 512-836-0590. Text the word FAMILY to get registered. Right. And good luck. We'll announce all of the winners at the end of this week. We're keeping you up to date on the big news that President Biden is coming to Texas on Thursday. He's going to be in Brownsville. President Biden says he wants to get right down there and see what's happening on the border. Hmm. The Border Patrol Union, Kenny, just put out a statement saying this is a cynical move by President Biden to try to rescue his falling political polling numbers. The Border Patrol Union says this is too little too late. It's three years into this crisis that was unleashed by President Biden on his first day in office. And how can he not think 
that it's beyond just the Border Patrol agents feeling that way. I guess his handlers are thinking, well, you got to do something. But too little, too late, right? He was there, what, January of last year? Didn't go down there forever. And now here it is a year later. And gee, what a coincidence. This young lady gets killed by an illegal at the University of Georgia. And now he's got religion on the border all of a sudden. I wonder if they're having a hard time, Mark. I know he's wanting to thank the agents and that. I wonder if they're having a hard time just getting enough people to even be there for the photo op. Yeah, I I would guess, Kenny, this meeting, he's he's going to have a meeting with Border Patrol agents. That will probably be closed to the media. Yeah, I was going to say, too very, bad. Very private meeting there. And the White House says the president also will excoriate the Republicans in Congress who are blocking real movement to secure the border. They're, they're blocking the compromise that was established in the Senate. And the president will highlight that and apply pressure on the Republicans to move in the direction of the Senate and the president to secure the border. Yeah. I just don't see how this is going to be very effective. Maybe if he, maybe he turns around to all the border agents there behind him and says, by the way, guys, are you all okay if we go ahead and let in 5,000 plus a day? Does that still work for you guys here down on the border? Because that's what this bill would do, <laughs> right? And that'd be a show of hands. Nobody'd sign up for that. They know better. We'd like to get your thoughts on the president's visit. It's coming this Thursday to Brownsville. Here are the numbers, 512-836-0590. What are your thoughts on this? As Kenny noted, the White House political handlers uh, see this as part of their strategy to turn the tables on Republicans, including Trump. They now want to position Biden in the mind of voters as the one who wants to secure the border, and Trump and the Republicans as the ones who are standing against securing the border. Yeah. Uh, 512-836-0590. Will they be successful? To what extent will be will they be successful in possibly changing some of the polling numbers, improving those numbers for Biden? 512-836-0590. And it's not lost on us that it's a week before he's scheduled to deliver the State of the Union address, right? So he'll be able to stand up there and say, I was just down at the border last week and blah, 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 right? You can hear it now. Like he's been all over it, right? Will this, will this be the executive order that they have been leaking about from the White House for about two weeks now? Will he announce it Thursday in Brownsville? I would think, my guess is, he would save that for the State of the Union message, the, the, you know, the supposedly really big platform, next week. That would be my guess. So not, not Thursday in Brownsville? Not yet. I, I think he'd rather have all those Democrats, phony weasels, in the, in the well of the House clapping for him and not just <laughs> potentially have, nobody clapping for him there on the border. Well, the border I have seen agents. articles uh, say that uh, the handlers want to release it early before the State of the Union. Mm. They want to start getting coverage on it in the media and then hit it again in the State of the Union. Ah, well, I guess there's that, but I I don't know. Either way, it, it seems like it's going to be pretty low impact because immediately so many on the other side are going to say, where have you been, Mr. President? It could have been this a long time ago, right? We can hear all the arguments now. Here's White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre today. She says the president also will emphasize how the Border Patrol needs more resources, hmm. more officers, more money, more ability to detect fentanyl, 
being uh, smuggled across the border. Obviously, he's going to meet with frontline folks who, who work on the ground, including Border Patrol uh, agents, hear directly from them, see also for himself what is it that they do every day to protect uh, Americans to secure the border. Again, they need more resources. That's Corinne Jean-Pierre today. You're going to stand up there, Mr. President, and tell us the border's secure, like you and the Vice President and the Secretary of Homeland Security, all the others have been telling us now for three and a half years. You're going to tell us it's been secure? No, I don't think he'll do that. I think he'll he'll change his message, but he will try to make it look like he's the one that wants to secure the border, yeah. and the Republicans don't. Yeah. It's just we can only hope, surely, the American people are going to see through this one. This would be one of the biggest scams appropriated on the American public in our lifetime if he would get away with with a fast one like this. CNBC is reporting today that federal authorities have charged a prison inmate in California with ripping off federal taxpayers to the tune of $550 million. They say this guy, along with uh, members of his gang who are on the outside of the prison in California... We're taking advantage of a program passed by Congress that was designed to give refundable tax credits to U.S. businesses that retained employees on their payroll. And he and his gang members filed all of these claims, and they got some $550 million in COVID relief money before the feds were able to catch him and figure out what he was doing and put a stop to his scam. Yeah, and it was uh, a, a notebook that was issued by the prison, just, uh, you know, icing on the cake to the, how outrageous this whole thing is. And what a, and let's face it, this guy had a, a pretty smart scheme underway, obviously, that somebody in D.C. just kept shoveling the money his way. We were pushing out so much money, Mark, billions and billions, it just makes you wonder if anybody was watching what they were signing, the checks that were going out. Uh, he he got caught because drug enforcement agents were working on a case and came across his name and his gang, and then they started intercepting calls he was making uh, and his communications with his taxpayer-funded electronic tablet yeah. he was given in prison, and, and they intercepted text messages showing his communications in this tax fraud scheme. Yeah, and thank goodness that uh, somehow the DEA, the guys got onto it and at least began to uh, to unravel the thing. Or who knows, he'd still be doing it today, I suppose, right? If they hadn't snapped to the other parts of this investigation. Uh, they say he was uh, filing on behalf of false companies primarily, just yeah. fabricating the names of companies. Yeah. That'll do it for today. Mark and Melinda with Kenny sitting in today for Melinda. We're here every weekday, live and local, 2 to 6. Thank you, Kenny. That was a lot of fun. Great being here, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, good to have you. We'll see you tomorrow. Tiger, super job. Thank you very much. The news is coming up next. Remember, start every day with Todd and Oz and their awesome show, 5 to 10, right here on KLBJ. Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com.